This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. We have a wonderful, wonderful show uh, to kick off this last sort of stretch before the end of the year. Um, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I had a really fun one. I'm glad to be back with you this week. Ooh, and already on the Facebook Live, we've got uh, our friends joining us, uh, Noreen, fellow talkradio.nyc host, and Jonathan, an old dear friend of mine. Thank you for joining us. Okay, uh, I really want to get to my guests, so let's get through the quotes of the day. I know you're waiting for them from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what the quotes of the day are for today. From the universe, of course, The human anatomy has countless built-in performance enhancement mechanisms. You sweat when you're hot, you smile when vulnerable, and you know when you're being watched. I bet you didn't know you have the instinctual ability to instantly acclimate to miraculous life changes, avalanches of abundance, amazing new friendships, and your star suddenly blasting off. This is by design. It's in your genes. Perfectly natural. Just didn't want you to be caught off guard by your own adaptability. You'd look remarkably out of place with your mouth open agog while on some red carpet tanning in Saint-Tropez or driving along the coast in your hot new solar-powered convertible. Loving ya, the universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley and the universe. Yeah, I wouldn't mind tanning on uh, the beaches of Saint-Tropez right now, considering how the temperature it is uh, in New York City. Um, But I love this quote again, you know, the universe having some fun with this, as the universe often will, trying to remind us that, you know, sometimes we just kind of get used to uh, you know, things the way they are right now. And we forget that like in any moment, any instant, things can turn on a dime. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm working with this branding guy right now and, 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 and I'm taking sort of his course as we work together on stuff. And, you know, he points out how there are several brands that have taken off to become like multi-million and billion dollar brands in like a year or two years, like super quick. Um, and, and this is very different from the way things used to be. They used to take a lot more time. It used to take, there was a lot more stuff we have to go through. And now just the way things are, you can sail through and like instantly turn around whatever you're in the middle of and create something that touches millions of lives around the globe. And that is something we have to remind ourselves so we don't get too caught off guard uh, when it actually finally does manifest. And we're going to be talking a lot about manifestation today with our guest. Okay, let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. You are the only one who creates in your experience, no one else. Everything that comes to you comes by the power of your thought. If there are changes you would like to make, it will be of great value to begin telling a different story, not only about your body, but about all subjects that have been troubling to you. As you begin to positively focus, getting to feel so good about so many subjects, you will begin to feel the power that creates worlds flowing through you. Abraham. Mm. 
really good quote. And uh, I think my guest is really going to want to dig into this one a little bit. Um, yes, you are the only one who creates in your experience. And, and this also reminds me, uh, a, a dear friend of mine and, and fellow former guest on the show, Valerie Shepard, she puts out these videos every Wednesday called her Hump Day videos. And this week she talked about personal responsibility. And she was talking about it kind of in relation to... Uh, um, in relation to sort of the holidays and not having people trigger you and sort of keeping in mind that we are 100% responsible for how we show up in the world. And that this quote is sort of the same thing. Like we are 100% responsible for what gets created in our experience. And we are responsible in terms of the energy we bring to it, the decisions we make, the thoughts we think, our focus, you know, what we are choosing to put our attention to and what are we are choosing to um, really uh, uh, allow into our energy field in any given moment. And that by the power of our thought, we can change any aspect in our life. Now, lots of times things come into our lives are not necessarily what we think we would consciously choose, but it is all here to serve us in some way. Now, we don't have to keep it in our experience. But in order to sort of change our experience, we need to start telling a different story to ourselves and to anyone who will listen. And this is really is, is one of the, the key things that Abraham teaches in the body of work about law of attraction is it's really all about the story we tell, mostly to ourselves. Because if we tell a different story to ourselves over and over and over again, we will naturally start to tell that different story to other people. And that story that we tell is what creates our beliefs, is what creates our feelings, our emotions, our energy around any particular subject. So, hey, you want to feel better about how you look physically, you want to feel different about your your career, your income, your business, your relationships, the world around you, start telling a different story. Uh, you know, it's really amazing how so many people um, just are so caught up in the negativity of the world and, and, and the difficulties in the world, but there is so much beauty and so much grace and so much goodness in this world if we would just focus on it look at it and see it you know the world is not as dark as it is portrayed in the media it is not if the world was really truly that dark we would have killed each other long ago it's just that's what they focus on because they believe that's what it takes to sell newspapers to sell advertising to get people keep watching and everything else tell a different story pay attention to the uplifting and wonderful things that are happening around the world and there are tons of them tons of them so two wonderful amazing heartfelt quotes from the universe and from abraham hope you enjoyed them i know i did and uh, before I introduce Mitch, ooh, we got some more loyal listeners. Uh, my dear friend, Anna, thank you for tuning in. Abigail, great to see you. Fred, uh, my dear friend and a wonderful astrologer, Fred. Uh, good to see you. We got to get you uh, in studio one of these days soon. Okay, so it is my pleasure now to welcome Mitch Horowitz to the show. Mitch is a writer in residence at the New York Public Library, a lecturer in residence at the University of Philosophical Research in Los Angeles, and the Penn Award-winning author of books, including Occult America, One Simple Idea, How Positive Thinking Reshaped Modern Life, Mind as Builder, and his newest book, The Miracle Club, How Thoughts Become Reality. Mitch has written on everything from the war on witches to the secret life of Ronald Reagan for, the New for such publications as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, Salon, Time.com, and Politico. And it is my pleasure to welcome him to the Conscious Consultant Hour. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Thank you. Glad to be here. Ah, glad you're here. Let me just get that mic a little closer. Of course. To um, uh, so you write about rather interesting subjects, yes. shall we say. 
Um, how did that all get started? I mean, were you like into this stuff as a kid, uh, or was like something happened to you that kind of like made you like shake your head and go, "What the hell is going on around here?" I, I got interested in it as a kid. I grew okay. up in the Great Borough of Queens here in New ah, York City yes. in the nineteen seventies. Right. Queens is where it all happens, uh-huh. and I have these indelible memories of my sister bringing home the paperbacks of Carlos Castaneda when ah, I was very young. The teachings of Don Juan. Yeah, and I started reading Carlos, and I just fell in love with him. I fell in love with ideas like astrology and Bigfoot and flying saucers mm. and superstitions and myths, and I wanted to know where did all this stuff come from, so I never stopped asking, and I'm very fortunate that I got to continue asking those questions into adulthood. Wonderful, wonderful. What was your first book that you wrote that got published? That was Occult America, which Occult came out America. in 2009. And, and what does Occult America deal with? It's a history of supernatural religious movements in America, and it's really about ah. all my heroes, you know, great American mystical figures like Edgar Casey and okay. Manly P. Hall and Paul Foster Case. And ah. I felt these people led lives that were so much richer and just mm. filled with drama and ideas than the ways that they're usually depicted or when they get depicted at all. Right. These figures are rarely written about in mainstream American letters. And I thought that needed fixing because mm. these people led lives that deserve defending. And I wanted Absolutely. to write their history in a way that really took full measure of their values, their activities, their successes, their failures. Uh, one has to love these people like adults, not right. like children. Right. Uh, they were filled with flaws and they yeah. were filled with greatness. Human beings, yep. right? And and you know, and and their humanity almost is what makes them such interesting characters. Exactly. Because even though they were deep sort of spiritually oriented people, they still like the rest of us had their own Stick, shall we yes, say? Yes, they suffered, they failed, yeah. they were frustrating, and they were wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It amazes me now. It seems like um, there are so many figures that were sort of influential in their own right, but not necessarily very well known. That yes. are now people are like writing books about them, and they're they're starting to become. Uh, a more well-known, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a gentleman on who wrote a book about uh, John Fetzer, hmm. who I had no idea who this guy was, but apparently was pretty influential in uh, the New Age, yes. the be- very, very beginnings of the New Age movement. Yes. Uh, so uh, we just have a couple of minutes before break. Uh, so tell me, out of all your heroes, who is the one that like you you adore the most or who you... You, you just inspires you the most. Without question, Neville Goddard, who Neville I Goddard. have you know tattooed on my uh, left forearm. Yeah. Uh, Neville was a great mystic who lived and worked in the U.S. until his death in 1972. And mm. he is, I write about him quite a bit in my book, One Simple Idea, but there's also a chapter dedicated to Neville in the Miracle Club. I absolutely love him. His basic teaching was, your mind is God, your imagination is God. And he mm. argued for it with such eloquence and simplicity. Uh, he's been the greatest influence on me. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. We'll get into him a little bit more. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned like the Castaneda books in the in the beginning, and there was one term. One of the things that I loved most about the Castaneda books is it was the first time I had the, heard the term non ordinary states of reality. Yes, yes, and and that to me just it like oh that's interesting. There's a non ordinary state of reality. Yes, and and there are actually many states of reality, aren't there? Yes, Carlos, you know, sorry. Carlos will always be a mystery to us. You know, we'll never fully understand his background, his historicism, the controversies will never go away. But he grasped something that was true and he wrote and spoke about it in terms that were so original and yet so simple. So you could hear a phrase like non-ordinary reality. It stays with you the rest of your life. You'd never heard anybody put it quite that way up till that point up until time. that point that right. was his genius yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i actually um I, I i work with a shaman out of california who comes from peru and i asked him once about castaneda and he says he actually knows his family oh is that right yeah and he actually he said that it is true because one of the things i heard was that the different characters in his book that they're actually a conglomeration of people yes that um, makes sense that there were three main teachers that he had and they Combine them all together to make Don Juan. That makes complete um, sense. So it was yeah. it was it was interesting just to like I actually finally got a personal connection to find out. Anyway, okay, we're going to take our first break, uh, and when we come back, let's let's talk about the Miracle Club all and right. what it's all about and uh, 
how, uh, why people should be interested in it, okay? All right. All right, so everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc and here on Facebook. Um, uh, thank you, Fred. Good to see you. Ah, Daniel Gutierrez, who's just here in New York City. Just saw him uh, speaking at Carnegie Hall. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Zubdaya and Franklin, thank you for joining us on Facebook Live, and we will be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Follow Me Friday Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking with Mitch Horowitz today, author of the book, The Miracle Club. And just to remind everybody on uh, Facebook, if you have any questions for Mitch or myself, or you just have a comment or something, please just type it into the comment section of the video. I promise we'll, we'll get to it and share it. Um, so Mitch, The Miracle Club, interesting uh, title. Where did that come from? You know, it's interesting. Uh, in a way, it came from a group that met right here in your neighborhood where we're recording the show right now. There was a a group of occult seekers who gathered mm-hmm. together in a little salon in the theater district at the corner of 8th Avenue and West 47th Street here in Manhattan in the year ah. 1875. Uh-huh. And this included people like Madame H.P. Blavatsky. Ah, Blavatsky, yeah. A fetching young man named Thomas Edison, uh-huh. Colonel Henry Steele Olcott, and they were people with a deep interest in the occult and the esoteric. And they formed this informal little group called the Miracle Club, and they dedicated ah. themselves to exploring channeling and mediumship and seances and ESP mm-hmm. and the uses of the mind. They stayed together only a short period of time, but they formed the nucleus of a much larger group, of course, the Theosophical Society, ah, yes, which yes, launched yes. the whole revolution in alternative spirituality. That yes. Those are the ones whose shoulders we really stand on. Wow, that's so funny. They were on the west side here, because I always right, thought they met on the east side because the Theosophical Society, the you know, Quest Bookstore and the Theosophical Society is over on East that's 53rd right. Street. That <laughs> opened in the 1950s, but the ah, original cluster of folk the original. were oh, okay. here on the west side. The building is still there, right. and I really love that informal group that yeah, they I formed that back idea. at that time. Uh-huh. There was no membership requirement, no dogma, mm-hmm. no doctrine, other than to just want to ask the question, what is out there? Mm-hmm. So I titled the book in homage to them, but also wanting to resurrect that spirit of pure 
inquiry, just asking uh, ourselves without any dogma, without any requirements or secret handshakes, <laughs> what is out there? And right. That's what I loved about them. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. And so what is the book about? The book is about thought causation. The book contends that our thoughts do contribute in a very concrete way to the actual reality that we experience. Mm. I think we've seen enough over the past 150 years to conclude that that is the absolute case. We've seen that not only in the testimony of seekers, which has amassed into a real record, but we see it in the sciences as well. Serious psychical research, quantum theory, neuroplasticity, placebo response, and on and on and on. We can no longer deny, even in our materialist culture, that the mind wields some extra physical capacity over circumstance. The mind has functions that go beyond cognition and motor function. We know this. So the question is how to experiment with it in our lives. So what do you say to like the the skeptics who say, well, if it works, how come it doesn't work all the time? Or how come it doesn't work for me? Yes, that's a wonderful, wonderful question. And the truth is nothing works all the time. SSRIs don't work all the time. All kinds of things that we do and measurements that we take don't work all the time. That doesn't mean that they're not occurring. And believe me, I would say to the skeptic that someone who has been a seeker within esoteric realms for Mm. decades, I ask myself the same question, and that's part of what I wrestle with in the book. We live under a complex of laws and forces. And if somebody experiences Mm. an extraordinary episode of healing, for example, Mm -hmm. that occurred, that occurred. If it doesn't reoccur 10 years later, it does put us in front of a very, very big question. But Mm. because we're in front of a question doesn't mean that we stop trying, doesn't mean that we stop asking. I want that record to keep building so we understand more and more of what happens to us. You know, one of the things, and and I, I, I have to admit, I didn't get through the whole book, but I did, I did start it. But one of the things I liked sort of in the beginning of the book is you, you try to, you talk about taking like a very, uh, uh, um, how shall I say? I don't want to say skeptical, but it's not skeptical, but, but sort of a very scientific, not scientific, uh, 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 a critical, critical. Yes. That's the word I was yeah. talking about. Yeah. A very critical look at this stuff and yeah. not just accept things at face value. Right. And at the same thing, not just reject things uh, Absolutely. superficially. Absolutely. And and that's perfectly put. There is too much superficial acceptance and superficial rejection. And we're just not at yeah. our best when we're functioning that way. Yeah. Really, that's just a form of, of cynicism in a way when we approach something superficially and we either roll our eyes at it or we take the opposite approach and we behave in a childish way and say, well, that right. must right. be the way things are. We have to right. keep digging. We have to keep questioning. Right. And, and, and it, like one of the things in, in uh, you know, my wife being a psychotherapist mm-hmm. and, and myself being a healer and, and really learning a lot about the mind and, and psychology is like when we have this very black and white view of the world, that that's actually a child mind, right? That's, that's the way Without children question. think. Without question. But as adults, we're kind of supposed to understand and learn that it's not black and white it's like a billion shades of gray that go from white to black and everything in between and that you know we don't have to be so extreme on one way or the other absolutely yet it's still very common we see it in adults all the time absolutely and we within the alternative spiritual culture We have to watch out for that within our own vocabulary and thought patterns because it's amazing how quickly this kind of black and white thinking and even catechism can just sneak in to our own practices, you know, and we're as susceptible to it as anybody else. And we have to really watch out for that. You know, I'm very careful the way that people throw around terms like ego or essence or personality as if these are things that you can put on a table somewhere they're just really metaphors for some kind of shared experience and we can't cement these things into a kind of vocabulary or an orthodoxy right yeah it's so funny how you know from freud Mm -hmm. and jung the terms of ego and superego and id are like so used yes yet they're not really concrete things exactly they're really just conceptions to try and wrap our mind around something 
they're not necessarily something real the way they talk about it. I mean, yes. one, one of my teachers, he says, you know, people always talk in the spiritual realms about ego and getting rid yes. of ego. But he says the problem is not that we have an ego. He says in the West, the problem is we think we only have one ego right. and we're very attached to that one. Right. And the truth is we have many egos because we show up many different ways in different aspects of our lives. That's right. That's right? right. We show up different for our families than we do for our friends, than we do for our coworkers, than we do... Um, you know, for strangers. And we have to be very careful not to belabor ourselves or other people with these labels and definitions. A friend of mine jokes that when I manifest something and I like it, I say, oh, this must be my essence. And when I don't like it, I say, well, that must be the personality. <laughs> and there's all kinds of things going on in our lives and we need them all. You know, right. we need them all. And also people are going to have different searches and we yeah. can't easily classify somebody as being too outwardly focused or too inwardly focused. The search is particular to the needs of the individual. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's path is unique and different. And yes. what brings somebody to a realization can be completely different from what brings a different person to the Absolutely. realization. And that's it's kind of like one of my pet peeves about like the personal development industry mm -hmm. is like somebody achieves some success and they did it a certain way. And then they think, well, if you just follow my blueprint, you just yes. follow the way I did it, it'll work for you. And it may work for some people. But the truth is, you know, they had very unique experiences. What worked for them may not work for people who follow him absolutely absolutely for example lately i've been working with sigil magic where you're supposed to draw ah, an abstract yes, symbol yes. and that's supposed to be a stand-in for what it is you desire mm. and then you meditate on this right. uh, during some kind of exhilarating experience either sexual or meditative now i respect the people who pioneered sigil magic mm. and as a practice i bow my head to it it has never worked for me, ah. and I've been in touch with a lot of people online, uh -huh. and they've had similar experiences. And we ponder this, and we talk uh. about this. It doesn't mean that the practitioners of sigil magic are wrong, right, but that particular right. approach hasn't been for me. We must leave room for that in right, our search right. as a community. Yeah, I had a guest one time on my show who's an amazing spiritual teacher by the name of Almine. I think she's up in Canada, mm -hmm. but she does a lot of sigils in her work. Mm -hmm. And they can be very powerful, but yes. to me, she's a very special being. I mean, she's way out there. Yes. Um, but she must have something special to be able to sort of bring in the work that she brings in. Yes. I would never think that I could do what she does. Now, I could do different stuff. Yes. But I would never do what she does. And so, like, she's one of those people who the sigils work for yes. very well. Um, I'm not sure. I'm probably like you. I don't think they would work so well for me either. Yeah, it probably has to do with finding a practice that really taps our psyche at its peak state. You know, that involves mm. our emotions, our intellect, even our physicality. And so, I suspect that the key is probably just finding that particular practice, which is almost like a matter of personal taste and constitution. Mm, mm, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so the Miracle Club, uh, uh, what kind of research did you do for it? Oh gosh, I've been researching it <laughs> all my life in a certain sense. Uh, I did a lot of research that involved my own personal experience and mm -hmm. the experience, experiences of others because it's really mm -hmm. a book of techniques. But I also right. researched things, for example, um, like cases of spontaneous remission of cancer. And I take that kind of material very, very seriously because mm. it's exquisitely important that we yes. be able to look mm. at case studies of spontaneous remission while, and this is the black and white thinking that we were just talking about, mm. while not falling off the wrong end of a log, you know, either giving people false hope right. or dismissing these things because they're so rare. They are very rare right. and they're also real. Right. And one of the uh, clinicians in this area who I studied was a man named Ainsley Mears, who was a mm -hmm. psychiatrist who lived in Australia. Mm -hmm. And I value Mears' work tremendously because he wrote for all the mainstream juried medical journals where there's obviously no intrinsic sympathy mm -hmm. to ideas around spontaneous remission, mind-body healing. Mm -hmm. But his research was impeccable and it has to be remembered. Uh, and he was such a Model of when, when was it done? When was he? 70s and 80s. He 70s died 80s, in 86. Okay. And Mears, uh, fortunately, was widely published. And we have to look at his material because he was so exquisitely careful not to give false hope, but not to exclude a radical question from study if it could be studied. Mm -hmm. And so that's the type of research that I did. I was really looking into primary sources for the experience of really extraordinary individuals, substantial people, as well as my own personal experience mm -hmm. and that of others around me, 
to ask the question, what works? Where should we be digging? What should mm, we be studying? Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, since it's a book of techniques, perhaps when we get back from this next break, we can share some techniques with our right audience. Right on. Give them a little little taste of it. Sure. And, uh, ooh, we got some uh, more people up on the Facebook Live. Uh, my dear friend, Survey, Pat. Oh, thank you, Pat. Mark. Uh, Fred says, uh, ooh, what does it say? Sorry, my eyesight's gone. Oh, sigils, personal desire equals Mars. Uh, manifestation <laughs> is Saturn interrelate these two for possible better results ah i like it i see so it's so sigils are mars and and uh manifestation saturn so it's about a mars saturn relationship okay Fred, I like gotcha <laughs> all right so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll uh continue more with my guest mitch horowitz here on the conscious consultant hour and if anyone would like to call in our call-in number is 877-480-4120 we'll be right back after these messages you're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We're having an amazing conversation here with my guest, Mitch Horowitz, author of the book, The Miracle Club. So Mitch, you say The Miracle Club is a book of techniques. Yes. So um, let's share maybe some basic techniques with our audience. For sure. And, and one of the things you say in the book was like, don't believe me, like try it for yourself and yes. see what happens. Yes, yes. Which I love. Uh, one of my heroes was the French mind theorist Emile Coué, who coined the mantra, every day in every way I'm getting better and, and better. better. And people made fun of Coué because they yeah. thought this all seemed too simplistic. But what they missed was the real central core of his methodology, which was using those few moments just before you drift to sleep at night mm. to recite mantras and affirmations. It could be any kind, mm. his or one that you devise yourself. I literally never go to sleep at night without using those exquisitely relaxed few moments that you experience as you hover mm, between touch, wakefulness yeah. and sleep to recite a mantra, use a visualization, use some sort of self-suggestion. Sleep researchers, of course, call this the hypnagogic state. Uh, and both sleep researchers and psychical researchers mm -hmm. have found that the state of hypnagogia is prime time for non-ordinary mental activity, is prime uh, time for episodes of telepathy or ESP as recorded in clinical conditions, is prime time to reprogram your psyche, so to speak, to make mm. suggestions to yourself. The reason for this may be that our rational defenses are down. It's a hallucinatory uh, kind of time, almost right. like life becomes a Salvador Dali painting, and yet you, you retain control over your cognition, your awareness, and you can still direct yourself in your mm. mind towards certain goals. Right. I literally never go to sleep at night without using those few moments, that hypnagogic state, that in-between time right. for mantras and visualizations. And you go through a similar state, which is called hypnopompia, when you awaken in the morning. In the morning yeah. Use those two times of day. They're completely natural, and it is, it's effortless. It's a gift mm. that we're given. It's a gift to our psyche, and we mm. should use it every day. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I always tell people, 
you know, it, it, the, the, the last 20 minutes before you go, what you, th- what you think about the last 20 minutes before you go to bed and the first 20 minutes when you wake up in the morning kind of set the emotional tone and how we feel throughout the day. So like, you know, start your day with gratitude and end your Absolutely. day with like a success log of all the successes. Absolutely. So now even like, not even the last 20 minutes, but when you're in bed, just about to fall asleep, like use that time, direct your mind towards uh, some desire. Um, Okay, cool. Uh, what, what's another quick technique? Well, here's a technique. It's it, I could say it quickly, but it's a lifetime of study. Okay. I always tell people, if you take one thing from my work, take this. Mm-hmm. Nothing heightens the powers of the psyche more than possessing one passionately felt aim, something that you hold mm. with total sincerity and total obsessiveness. And people mm. avoid this because sometimes when you peel back the layers of the onion, you might find your aim is something that actually makes you profoundly uncomfortable. uncomfortable People yeah, who think yeah. they're spiritual sometimes really do want money and material right, things. Right. And I want people to be unembarrassed about that. Right. It's just private. It's your aim. And you'll never really be able to tap the energies and the powers that come from enthusiasm and exuberance and passion unless you're starkly honest with yourself. And mm. this is something that people can do after the show, you know, if they have a time that they can sit down in private, get the pencil and paper and start to sit down and be honest with yourself because we mislead ourselves all the time about Mm. what our aims or our central aim is because we don't want to claim things that we feel make us potentially look bad in the eyes of Uh, our peers or mm -hmm. our perceptions of ourselves. But this is private and it's the doorway to everything else. You'll never tap the energies of the psyche unless you're starkly honest about what you're passionate about. It can change everything. Right, right. And you said like just one clear goal, one. right? Not to divide those energies right. into like a million different things. That's right. Just one thing, focus on that, and when that happens, then go on to the next one. It, I tell you, life makes a tough but a very tantalizing bargain with us, and it's mm. this you will get whatever you want or something very close to it as long as you're absolutely singly focused on one thing. If, mm. you, if you look at the lives of people you admire, heroes, whether mm. it be Helen Keller or Winston Churchill or Nelson Mandela, Steve Jobs, they lived for one thing. They lived mm. for one thing. And they were points of gravity almost to everyone else around them because of the strength of that one passionate aim that they have. Mm. It can change everything. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so I watched one of your videos and, and you talked in a, a very tantalizing kind of uh, for a while about the difference between my will be done versus thy will uh, be yes. done. And I wanted to bring it up because it kind Please. of relates to what you were just saying Yeah, in that sometimes we feel like, oh, well, we're imperfect, I'm flawed, yeah. like, do I yeah. deserve this? Or it's <laughs> like, if I have this desire, is it coming from the right place versus thy will be done, you know, giving things up to spirit, to God, and and uh, uh, just saying, you know, w- you know, whatever you want for my life. That that's what I want, and and I just wanted to kind yeah. of bring in your view of that because I thought you had a very interesting take. It's a very heavy question, and it's one that I've wrestled with as a seeker for many years. Most religion, most religion, cultivates within us a perspective of "Thy will be done," release to the higher, release right. to the higher. Right. And I have to be frank with you and your listeners. Speaking as a Western seeker and mm-hmm. somebody who's been on the path for some years, mm-hmm. the place I have personally come to, and I can only speak for myself, is that thy will be done was not a valid perspective for me. It was not a perspective uh. that felt natural to my psyche, my energies, my sense of self, my sense of existence. Mm. Pursuing my own sense of ambition, attainment, Mm-hmm. honor, integrity, these things ultimately felt more natural to me, like my actual mm-hmm. skin that I was born in, mm-hmm. than releasing my sense of desire and what I want to have happen mm-hmm. to a higher power. I feel that if we take seriously the contention that we are made in the image of the creator, or if we take seriously the beautiful hermetic principle, as above, so below, Mm -hmm. it stands to reason that individual creativity, individual generativity, individual desire, productivity, 
is sacred. It's sacred. Mm. If we are in the image of the creator, then we, as long as we're here in these limited forms, Mm -hmm. are here likewise to create. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, speaking for myself, Mm -hmm. I felt much more relaxed in my search when Ah. I came to that place. Now, you're not saying we should be narcissistic or self-centered, right? but it's more about being honest to what it is that we truly desire and not necessarily... Let that go. Yes, starkly uh, honest. And again, you said as a Westerner now, you know, the Eastern sort of point of view is release of ego, release of attachment, yes. release of desire, which yes. is completely opposite completely that. Completely opposite. And I, I honor that and I bow my head to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's rather like what we were talking about before, maybe in the most radical sense of finding that practice which speaks to your deepest sense of humanity. Yeah. My contention, and I, I'm gonna, we're gonna get a lot of comments about this because <laughs> this triggers people. Yes. And I'm not trying to trigger people, and I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm only speaking as a it's seeker. It's okay. Be provocative. I that will. Makes good radio. Makes well, then good I'll radio. go right ahead and do so. <laughs> I don't believe that the Western seeker can ever feel happy and satisfied until he or she really comes to terms with a sense of personal attainment, productivity ambition Mm. and is willing to embrace and own that in a really radical sense. That doesn't Mm. mean that I don't have responsibilities to other people. and That doesn't mean that I don't owe something to the transcendent. Mm. The most beautiful word on this, I think, was said by Christ, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, what is God, what is God's. It's all one whole. And yes, I do owe something to other people. I owe them nonviolence in the sense of not violating their own capacity to pursue their highest sense of self. But I believe that if the Western seeker, the Western spiritual searcher, is not moving progressively in the direction of some sense of attainment, he or she will never be happy. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I wonder if there is not some middle ground between Mm -hmm. the two Mm -hmm. of, of my will be done and thy will be done. Yes. I think I'm searching for that middle ground. I'm yeah. searching for that middle ground. And I may have a, a somewhat different point of view in future years, right. but I felt pulled between these ideas and the idea that fit me and that I felt right in was, frankly, my will be done, which doesn't mean narcissism and which doesn't right. mean hedonism. So I think I'm probably trying to find that that middle stream in a certain sense, because I certainly feel that I owe things to other people. Right. So it's more of like a sense of self-actualization. Yes, but in service to higher principles. Well, I think I bow to higher principles. I bow to higher principles. I do believe that we're all connected, and I can't Mm -hmm. do harm to another person without it it being done to me, uh, sometimes in that same instant. But I also do really honor the the drive and the desires of the individual as something Mm -hmm. sacred. Mm, beautiful beautiful uh we just got a couple of minutes but i did want to touch upon uh, one of your heroes neville yes neville goddard my man why why does he appeal to you so much i think neville really embodied a great deal of what i'm talking about although that captures only one aspect of his teaching neville was born on the island of barbados and journeyed here Ah. to new york city to study theater when he was only 17 years old that was in 1922 and he entered into our unexpected career as a teacher, writer, speaker of metaphysics. And as I was saying at the top of the show, his basic teaching was your mind is God. The human mm-hmm. imagination is God. Mm-hmm. Now, Neville ultimately felt that desire attainment was really only a tool that mm-hmm. would eventually expose us to our own divinity. You would come to uh-huh. realize your own Christ-like nature through the means of of desire fulfillment. But at the same time, Neville really did believe that desires are God speaking to you, that your desires Ah. are sacred. They are not only God-given, but your imagination Mm. itself is the creative force that we refer to as Mm. God. And I just loved him because his was a philosophy of bringing sacredness, Mm. sacredness to the human drive, to the human Mm. wish. And he's been the single greatest influence on me. Cool. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, there was one thing you said that that he said that I loved also was like, can't we just leave people alone? Oh, that was Vernon Howard. (laughs) Oh, Vernon. Another hero of mine. Excuse me. Excuse me. And and there's so much in that. There's so much in that. Vernon was a spiritual teacher who uh, spent much of his life in um, the American West. He died in 1992. And one night he sort of erupted, as he sometimes would, at a room full of students saying, what I'm really trying to say is, 
can't you all just leave people alone? And he would <laughs> say these simple things, and yet there was layer after layer in that. Uh, Think of the possibilities if we could just leave one another alone, not yeah. try to shove one another around, tell one another what to do. To do right, yeah. exactly. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, it's time for us to take our last break of the show. Uh, when we come back, uh, I don't know, let's uh, talk about what's next for Mitch all Horowitz right. and see what flows. <laughs> and of course, if anybody here has any questions, I see William joined us on the Facebook Live and Lay and Lynn. Uh, what do you say? I wake up and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah, good way, right to, good mantra to start our day with. Thank <laughs> you, thank you, thank you. Gratitude. All right. And of course, if you have any questions, post it on the Facebook Live. Call in 877-480-4120. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with author Mitch Horowitz, author of the book, The Miracle Club. Um, so Mitch, I have to ask you, because you're such a fun, unique individual, <laughs> there are very few sort of spiritual, mystical people that I've had on my show who have as many tattoos oh, as yes. you have. <laughs> so, so I was wondering if you could tell if there are any like really juicy stories around any of the tattoos that you have. Oh, well, let's see. My first one right here is, I don't know if people can see it, is Buddy Holly. Uh -huh. I wanted somebody to make a mural for me of Buddy Holly with flying saucers, Sasquatch, and the uh, pyramid at Giza, so I got that ah. done. Uh, number 33, the year of the uh, death of Christ, his age. Ah. Um, this is the holy name of God, yod heh vav -Hey, and it's from um, one of the cards in a deck of tarot that was designed by the great Manly P. Hall. Ah. Uh, cycles of the moon mm. over here. What else going on? Uh, the insignia of the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor. Um, an upside-down pentagram that was designed by the great Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan. Um, a ticket that says admit one. Well, look, wait, wait, wait. We can back up for a second. Uh, you're the, not going to let me get away with that, No, are you? I'm not letting you get away with that You're a good one. host. You heard me. <laughs> let, let's go back to that. You must get a little bit of grief around that one. I do. I do. You know, well, so it's funny. Wh why did you get that one? Because I've come to a new appreciation of Anton over the past year or so. Okay. I used to think, honestly, that he was just a showman and a provocateur and so on, and he was all that. But he was also a great magician in every sense of the term, mm. and he was a brilliant observer of human nature and he was a real occult intellect who I've never appreciated uh, mm. one of my only regrets in my writing of occult America is that mm -hmm. I didn't include Anton because uh, at the okay. time I didn't regard him as a serious figure and I was wrong he mm. really really was a brilliant man so in homage to Anton LaVey uh -huh. uh, I got a tattoo that was his um, it's a um, 
It's a representation of his own personal pentagram, which he designed. Ah, uh, I see, I see. And there's lots more going on here, of course, yeah. Neville, and Neville. many, many more things. Right, right. PMA, right. Positive Mental Attitude, that's the insignia of the punk band The Bad Brains. Ah. It's yeah, a story behind everything, you know. Oh, nice uh, angel. Archangel Raphael. Oh, Raphael. With, his, uh, uh, with the young Tobias, which is the name of my younger son. Oh. So there's all kinds of stuff going cool, on Cool, cool. Yes, more to come. Uh, I'm curious, have you heard of Lord Pie? No. Okay, so there's this video, I forget who turned me on to it initially or how I heard about it, but there's a video of this guy, Lord Pai, doing a talk at some conference. It's not very good quality video, but the mm-hmm. title of it is Everything You Know Is Wrong. I've heard of that. And and, a, <laughs> and he goes through, because he talks about Sasquatch oh, and, uh-huh. and UFOs uh-huh. and like oh, the cover-up and the conspiracy. Do, what's your take on all these conspiracy theories that are out there? I'm not a conspiracy person. I think they okay. steer people into a really, really dark place. Yeah, they they foment an us-versus-them mentality. I think it's all very negative, and, and there's virtually no historical veracity behind mm, any of it. Okay, okay. Uh What's next for Mitch Horowitz? Are What's you working next? on your next book yet? Constantly, yeah. constantly working. Uh, right, what's I, next I'm one? thinking about my next book. I have several that are in play, but I'm thinking about my next book. And it may center on this theme that you and I were just discussing of my will be done versus thy will be done, because yeah. that's a really tense question for yeah, us. Yeah, I think that would and, be uh, that, that'd that be may good, be the topic. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a good exploration for today's world because... Yeah. Um, I do come to sometimes see people do get kind of lost because there are so many sort of mixed messages yep. between you know what is real spirituality and if if I'm working on becoming a fully actualized human being with my own desires, does, am I any less spiritual than the monks in 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 uh, the caves in it's India? You know, wonderful question. Chanting all day long. Wonderful question. You know, this question came home to me in a funny way once. Uh, I was with my family. We were vacationing in Belize, in Central mm. America, and we were at this eco resort that was filled with hippies and deadheads, and it was lots of fun. <laughs> and then we went to another part of the country where we were at a much more conventional beach resort where everybody uh-huh. was driving Volvos, and you know, there's there's Jared and Ivanka and everything. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, oh, this feels icky and I thought well wait a minute how is this any less authentic than that eco resort which was probably more expensive if I actually sat down and Uh, crunched the numbers and you know where do my values come from where do my values come from why is one community feel repellent to me but another community draws me in and is that natural is that right is that real and that's just one of the ways in which we cement these attitudes about the world based on messages that come from where you know are they authentic mm. that's one of my questions mm. and we do receive many mis- mixed messages particularly about materialism on the spiritual path right i'm right. interested in that yeah cool cool so of of the different like spiritual teachers that you know i mean who have you met personally that's really uh you felt someone who is very special Wow, that's a great question, and I have to answer you very honestly. I don't feel I've ever met a spiritual teacher who I felt was very special. I felt any time I met somebody who was considered the great man or the man with the Mm -hmm. plan or what have you, I saw a side to that person that was so mediocre or disappointing that it made me wonder whether this Hmm. person's experiences had really amounted to a permanent center of gravity that I could say made this person someone who was viewing life from a higher perspective. There are people who I think have broken through to a higher perspective, but I did not know them personally. I did not know Neville personally. I did not know Vernon Howard personally. If I knew them personally, I don't know what my feelings may have been. And believe me, this concerns me. You know, I'd Mm. like to be able to say to you, there was this person and there was this person. It concerns me Mm. that our age, at least from my vantage point, seems to be lacking great teachers. I have a big Mm. question about that. Wow. uh, It's interesting because I've studied with a, a few different spiritual teachers over the years. And I would see how like their own traumas and their own fears kind of always ended up creeping into yeah. whatever it was. And the and it finally made sense to me from this one teacher by the name of Matt Kahn, who I got to meet just recently. He came to New York for the first time and did his weekend lecture. And Matt Kahn is a very heart-centered spiritual mm-hmm, teacher. Mm-hmm. And in one of his videos, he talked about you know, if you've ever known anybody like this who seems to have amazing information, great spiritual teachings, mm. but their personal life is a mess, <laughs> what he said was 
their crown chakra wide open, so they're able to receive all this kinds of stuff. But their heart chakra not as open mm. as their crown chakra, mm. so they weren't able to really live yep. what they necessarily were receiving. How interesting. And, and just when I heard this in this video, it's like all of a sudden, like the light bulb went on and said, aha, yes, I know exactly what he means. It makes so much sense now. Now when I can look at people, I can see, ah, I get it. Their their crown chakra yes. is way open, their heart chakra, not, not as much. That makes a great deal of sense. In fact, that in a certain sense, is a metaphor for the New Age culture in a way. And, yeah. and I use New Age in a positive way. I apply that term to myself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, our crown chakra is open, our heart chakra not so much, which right. I think is why, frankly, you know, you'll see different religious movements that are much more effective than right. the New Age movement is, you know, right. at technology, at maintaining records, at getting things done. Mm. Uh, I think we need a bit of a heart opening. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things why, I mean, for me personally, I've been on a, on a shamanic path the last four years and why yeah. it appeals to me so much because it's about heart, mind, yes. body, and spirit, yes. and all the four aspects and how they're all important. And like that's kind of the lens we see things through, and I've talked about this on, on several, several shows before, but how important it is for us to get back into our heart space, to feel yes. safe there, yes, and to really open up to people. Yes, yes, very right. interesting. Beautiful. Um, the Miracle Club, where can people find it? Oh, they can find it anywhere. Uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, local booksellers, anywhere you buy books. Uh, actually, I'm going to be speaking at a Barnes & Noble in New Jersey on... Uh, Saturday, January the 12th. Oh, and um, if you join me on social town? media, uh, I think it's um, Clifton Park, New Jersey. Clifton Park, New Jersey. I okay. will be uh, posting news about that. So yeah, so if people want to find out more about you personally, connect with you, what's Go to Twitter, website? go to Facebook. My website is MitchHorowitz.com. I'm easy to reach. My email is there. I'm always happy to hear from people. I always respond to people. Wonderful, wonderful. And are you, are you still in Queens? No, no, I'm on the east side of Manhattan. Oh, but okay. do you ever leave Queens? Yeah, you know? all right. You, <laughs> you cross the river. <laughs> right, you cross right. the river. See, I'm a Bronx boy. Oh, Although I, I was see. born in Manhattan, I grew up in the Bronx, but now I'm in Manhattan too. So. Uh, well, growing up in Queens, we used to talk about Manhattan as the city. The you know? city, so I always wanted yeah. to move to the city the when city, I was a kid. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, those of us who are still left in Manhattan, I swear <laughs> like 90% of the people, more than that, I would say like 97% of the people I knew when I was growing up are all in other places now. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're two of the few natives still left right here we are <laughs> yeah here we are well thank you so much thank you appreciate uh, I it really appreciate you taking the time to come in especially to come in studio mitch Enjoy and it. i I've, I've been reading your book on on uh the the, the ebook version of it mm -hmm. on my phone really enjoying it and uh i wish you much success and thank when you. you come out with your next book you have to let me know we'll get you back on the show again, love to okay? it's been a pleasure thank you very okay, much okay wonderful thank wonderful you. thank you and of course thank you to all of my listeners um Oh, my friend Kathy uh, says she loves the conversation. Oh, and I got a whole bunch more. Kathy and Carol and Denise, thank you all. For, and Pat from across the pond, thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> um, really appreciate. And, uh, um, and just to, to let everybody know, uh, we've only got like one more week, uh, uh, not one more week, two, two more weeks of shows, two and a half more weeks of shows. Uh, because we're actually going to be closed the last two weeks of the year. So uh, for talkradio.nyc, December 14th will be the last day. We'll be airing new live shows for uh, 2018, but we will be back in 2019. And everybody, please stay tuned. Coming up next, Ellen Likened and her show Poker Divas live here on talkradio.nyc. And we will be back and we will talk to you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. 
Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.